during an interview for this book. After I told Johnson the title of my book, he said, I'm not sure making $12 million a year playing 82 basketball games is called a plantation. If it is, I know a whole lot of folks who want to be on that plantation. Johnson added, I'm not sure the plantation-to-plantation metaphor works because you have to explain how a guy gets paid that much money for doing basically what people do in the street every day. Later, though, during the same interview, Johnson conceded that, from an athlete's perspective, professional sports might be a plantation of sorts. Do the players see themselves on a plantation? I think they do. In that all the owners are white, that creates a dynamic. The owners are all white, the coaches work for the white owners, and the industry is run by white commissioners. Anyone who exercises power over them is white, and they feel or believe that the owners are taking more value out of them than what the owners are putting in. To the general public, athletes have achieved the promised land, and their salaries are always a part of the discussion. The inference, never far from the surface, is that they should be grateful, more grateful than their white peers, for the money they make. David Falk the sports attorney who helped make Michael Jordan into a global icon, recalled a negotiation session with the Knicks in 1991. After Falk and the player, Patrick Ewing, made an offer, the general manager looked at Ewing and asked, how much money is enough? Falk said he knew that Ewing was offended, and so was he. I knew that in Ewing's mind, that wasn't an economic statement, It wasn't a negotiation statement. It was a racist statement saying, you're a young black man, how much is enough? The celebrity of African-American athletes is still used to make the case that discrimination has disappeared and that integration in the West has created equal opportunity. For many, African-American athletes embody the freedom and expanded opportunities that are there for everybody, provided they work hard. The elevated compensation for some players obscures the reality of exploitation and contemporary colonization. Black players have become a significant presence in major team sports, but the sports establishment has tenaciously resisted that presence percolating in equal numbers throughout the industry in positions of authority and control. In 1988, the late Jimmy the Greek Snyder created a firestorm when he said, African-American athletes were physically superior because they had been bred for that role. Black athletes, he said, can jump higher, run faster because of their bigger thighs. I'm telling you, the black athlete is the better athlete, and he practices to be the better athlete, and he's bred to be the better athlete because it goes all the way back to the Civil War when, during the slave trading, the owner, the slave owner, would breed this big woman so that he would have a big black kid, you see? Snyder's comments created a knee-jerk reaction and dredged up silly arguments about the merits, or lack thereof, of black athletes' so-called physical superiority. Those debates for me are like play-action passes designed to suck you into the line, pump fakes designed to entice you to leave your feet. The more interesting part of Snyder's comments reflects a more substantial concern. He said that the only place white people dominate sports is in coaching, 
And if black folks take coaching, as I think everybody wants them to, there's not going to be anything left for the white people. This book is a map, a look back at roads crossed, a glimpse forward at roads not yet traveled. It's difficult for professional athletes to focus on anything historical beyond yesterday's game. They're so focused on the here and now, the next game, the next season, the next contract, that many have no sense of what came before and none at all at what is coming around the bend. History suggests that African-American athletes should be ever on the lookout. Their predecessors were excluded, blocked, persecuted, and eased out when white owners and management decided that they weren't needed or wanted. Today's generation of pro athletes may be wealthy, but they are simultaneously cheered and resented. That kind of